everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. What? <laughs> Good. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our final episode of Trent's Fear, my fierce birthday. And I'm talking about myself in third person. That's weird. Um, uh, make it a choice. It's not weird if you don't make it weird. <laughs> this episode, we're covering Pet Cemetery, the original one from 1989 with Saxon Whitehead, who you will remember from last year's birthday celebrations when we forced him to watch <laughs> The Babysitter Killer Queen. I think we did a little better this time. I think we did a little bit of this. Yes. I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always surprised people get awful movies with us come back. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> I guess we're that cool. <laughs> uh, but yes. But yeah, but before we get into Pet Cemetery, though, Saxon, have you watched any new cool horrors that you were last on? Um, I mean, obviously, I've been keeping up with a lot of, you know, the big um, releases. Um. I mean, like, I really like Scream a lot, obviously, the, the new yes. one. Um, yes. X was interesting. I love yes. X. Um, I love X so much. And then, um, other than that, not a whole lot of, like, new, new stuff. New to me, yeah. Like, last week I watched um, Drag Me to Hell for the first time. Uh, what do you think? It's a very interesting movie. <laughs> That's what I said. I think we have similar tastes, Saxon. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, that is an interesting film. It does a lot. It does okay. a lot. There's a lot in there. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, go take take a few seconds, Saxon, and plug your. Uh, didn't you start like a new blog or website where you keep your writings? Yes, um, I started a new website, drpopcorn.net. Yeah. Um, I usually write reviews over some of the new releases. You know, just kind of across everything. Um, so that startup just this past October. Um, but it's been going pretty strong so far. It's been off to a good start. So um, definitely check that out, drpopcorn.net. I don't understand time anymore. So it feels like you started that like forever ago and yesterday at the same time. So so when you gave an actual month, I was like, oh, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into Pet Cemetery. Uh, Saxon, what's, what's one of your first thoughts? Um, my main, like, kind of overarching thought for the entire movie, and I guess just the story in general, is that this just feels like Stephen King took a bunch of different horror tropes and just kind of threw them against the wall, saw what stuck, and just went with it. Yes. Now, Uh (laughs) is that a good thing? Eh. But I don't think it's bad, necessarily. I'm very conflicted. We agree. We agree. Because I grew up reading Stephen King, and this was not one of my favorites, but it's not my least favorite. It's it's definitely got middle child syndrome for me. <laughs> I, I, I see I, I her. I agree with you there, yeah. Yeah, I see her. I, I respect her, but also, like, she's middle child. <laughs> yeah, I totally see where you're, where you're coming at with that, because it does feel like there's a lot of like out of left field things that he brings into this. But I will say this is one of my my personal favorite adaptation, film adaptations. I don't know about the book. I haven't read the book, 
So anyone listening or watching, go into it knowing this. Everything I say is without knowledge of the book. So maybe it's one of your favorite movies based on a Stephen King and not a favorite adaptation. Because, like, you, you don't know what they're leaving and what they're bringing. Cause like, That's fair. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I could see that if I was not reading them, I could see this not being the most offensive <laughs> movie I've seen. <laughs> um, but as far as like the stuff that we've read and seen, I'm like, mm, some of these transfers smidge better, some mm. a lot worse. Uh, I also got beef with this book because it's the reason I was conflicted on how to spell cemetery for most of my life. Every every post I've made about this day, I've been like, wait a second, wait, wait, what? Hold on. Let me look at it. Let me go back to IMDb. Okay, yes, I am correct. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate it because, like, when I finally got confident in my spelling, I would see this and be like, I know nothing. And so, like, this is where my anxiety stems from. This is why I'm like, I can't read. What? <laughs> because of Pet Cemetery with an S. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, I know, Sheree, you've read the book. Saxon, have you read the book? Um, I have not read the book. Um, I actually have not seen the movie until now. So, I like, I, I saw bits and pieces of it, like, growing up. and But this is the first time I actually sat down and watched it, like, start to finish. I love uh, this. Because I saw this as a kid, and I was like, I don't need to revisit that until now. <laughs> um, and so, like, I love somebody who's, like, coming in completely fresh. Because... It's different because it's one thing when you see something in your kid and you're like, oh, well, this was part of this and I can contextualize it that way. When you come into it as an adult with 2022 vision, you're like, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely watched this as a kid as well. Um, and okay, number oh wait, number one, my fun fact about this movie that I that I uh, hinted at the last episode. Um, this movie was the number one film in the box office the day I was born. Hey. I think it's very telling. <laughs> <laughs> it was <Okay>. destined. <laughs> the spelling with an S is because they were drinking. <laughs> I mean, it's Stephen King, so I'll probably do a little lemonades for all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so I'm good. Okay, the first thing I have a question about <laughs> the college kid, knowing all this philosophical, prophetic things, and like what what does he how do, I don't understand why he was there so I've not read this book since I was a child but like we know Uncle Stephen loves to overwrite and so this kid had more to do and these mm. visions had more to do and the daughter's psychic visions were also more connected because Stephen loves to recycle which is why we have Carrie and then we got Firestarter and that's why we always have like this kid who doesn't have a shining, but it's a shining. Um, uh, yeah. Uncle Steven loves to be like, what's in my playbook? Um, but we keep buying it, so who am I? And so, like, <laughs> <laughs> there was more to it in the book. I don't remember how much more, but a lot more. Um, and it made it make sense in a way. When I was reading the book, I wasn't like, get rid of this kid. Um, whereas in this movie, I was like, get rid of this kid. <laughs> He's saying what the kid said. Like, just listen to your kid. Is it a metaphor for listening to women? I don't understand. What are we doing? Um, yeah yeah that was another thing i didn't know if if the book went further into her dreams because it seems like a missed opportunity for the film adaptation to not go a little further into that but uh, one thing i do want to say about the dead college kid the gore for him looked awesome yeah like whenever like they um first show him 
and like you think he's like he's he's dead like he's like okay he's dead and they just like do that quick shot over to him and you see his just nasty head wound i just like let out just an audible just like oh <laughs> and i really do that like gore doesn't usually bother me too terribly badly but this one i was just like oh i i love 80s 90s gore um <laughs> I, I think that's one of the things that we did well because we were like, we gotta do practicals, make it juicy. And now we're like, CGI will fix it. And then CGI is like, wonk, wonk. Um, <laughs> so those are technical terms because I went to school. Um, but like, it's, it's, I, I love how it's aging. I love how it still looks. I think it's probably some of the more effective stuff because this movie, like a lot of movies of that era, sort of like missed the mark on what we're here for. Like, I don't care that this man is a doctor. I, I don't care about the internal struggles of a parent. <laughs> I, I care about the ghosts. I care about the dead animals, because that's where the horror lives. And they're just like, here's this marriage. Let's examine it a little bit. I'm like, no, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I definitely have and continue to have a uh, crush on Del Midkiff, the guy who plays the dad. He's so he sexy. Would. He's so sexy. I don't care. Judge me if you want. He's sexy. I was trying to figure out how this ended up on your birthday list. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> now you know. No, I really just saw someone post about it, like the anniversary of when it was released. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the memorable movie on my when I, the day I was born. That would be a fun little thing to do for my birthday. Especially because, like, Mary Lambert was one of the first women to direct a Stevie King, as far as I know, if not the only in that decade. I, I need to fact check that. I've not been to the Wikipedia, um, but I'm pretty sure um, Stevie King- One of the few, for sure. Dudes. We hand out by dudes all over those earlier decades. It was just like, we have a Stephen King novel. Where's the closest man? And <laughs> that's how we were getting those, those choices. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I think the direction is is great. Like, I don't think that they're. I think if I have any issues with this movie, it is just I'm missing things that I probably would have gotten in the in the book. Um, my hot take. <laughs> my hot take is literally it ain't her. I think it's the era because there's a certain style of the '80s, um, and also the fact that it's just hard to adapt Stephen King. So the people who handle this adaptation just mm, cut some of the wrong stuff. It's, we spent a whole season with Stephen on Patreon, oh, <laughs> um, and I say this a lot. And it's just that Uncle Stephen overwrites and he overdoes it, and a lot of people don't know how to rule that in for something two hours and under. And it's so fantastical that you almost can't capture all of it. It's going to like pick and choose with let go. And a lot of them fall into that trap. Or they just rewrite a hatred manifesto like Stanley Kubrick. Well, I roll. Anyway. Um... Sipping water was weird. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Judd. Mr. Fred Gwynn. You know, oh, that's battle. Herman monster. The, the true villain of this movie, if you ask me. He is the true villain. I, I mean, there are people who messed up before him. <laughs> so like, but he was the one that's like, hey, let me show you this little cool little place where you can bury this cat. Well, we'll come back. To the pet cemetery and then the <laughs> cemetery beyond the cemetery. I, the, Rock way I, <laughs> the doctor needed to ask more questions, but also he needed to not be taking people up there. But also, as a kid, you learned about this shit. So somebody handed this information to a child. <laughs> um, and so I blame those adults and those adults that got it from those adults. 
intergenerational drama. Like, that's what it is. Um, stop handing shit down. It's not a cake recipe. Like, we are talking about demons and cats. Why would you want, why'd you want demonic cats? Cats are scary enough. <laughs> that cat, too. That is, I mean, I've seen some angry cats. Mm-hmm. But that cat is angry when it gets back. It's like, oh. your ass couldn't let me just be dead. Right? It's like, bitch, I had nine lives. And you want to add ten? <laughs> well, but wait, maybe economy? it got nine more because it started at one. In this economy? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, though, I still think Judd's the real villain in this movie because, yeah, he just he's like, oh, cat's dead. Let me show you where to bury it. I'm going to take you through this pet cemetery. Then we're going to climb over this wood thing. Then we're going to go rock climbing for a little while. Then we're finally going to be in this weird looking burial ground that like just looks witchy from the beginning. Like, oh, I, feel, I feel like that burial ground was just because Uncle Steven don't know how to let brown people rest. And so we made it this far in the story and we were like, I'm not offended yet. And he was like, wait, there's more. And they moved the cemetery over and you're like, oh, there's my Uncle Steven. And he's yeah. like, that's right. <laughs> Guess what I've got here for you. I am on brand. Yeah, that's exactly what happened for me. I was like, most of the way through the movie, I was like, I'm surprised that this holds up pretty well. And then we got to there, I was like, oh, there it is. Right? Yeah. right. <laughs> Uncle Steven. Steven. <laughs> And so, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, that's what we're going to do here. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I feel like Judd's heart was in the right place because, like, he's been living with the secret for so long. And he knows he's getting to the end of it. And I think he really does care for this family in a way because he's alone. He's alone out here. We don't know how long he's been alone. And so he's like, your little girl shouldn't have to deal with her dead cat. So I'm going to buy you some time, but you should be an adult about it. And instead of him being an adult about it, he's like, what if I just also bring back my dead kid? Because oh. I don't know how to say no to a bad idea. Well, I mean, I think that's a big theme in the in this story is like, how do we handle grief? And how do we uh, process through that? Because a lot of it, even in the beginning, the mom is talking about the, how the daughter, she doesn't want the daughter to learn about death. And because she had to learn about it from her sister who, whoo, Zelda's the true nightmare in this movie. <laughs> my, my, one of my notes is Zelda because this was the 80s. So we have Zelda, who's a sister who has a sickness, being played by a man to make her more off-putting and creepy, which is not what you want to do is put a man in a dress. Oh, and make I it didn't weird know that. And creepy. Oh, I did because I was listening to the voice and I was like, let me Google because again, Uncle Steven. Mm. And, <laughs> and so I don't know if that's the casting director in Mary or if that was just the casting director going rogue. But like I definitely clocked it. And that actor plays a lot of creatures in the 80s, which also you don't want to equate putting <laughs> dresses to creatures. <laughs> um, and so that was never going to age well. I don't know yeah. who had that great idea, but I hope they step forward and own that one. Yeah, I didn't know that. But knowing like the makeup that they put on her and like the, the spine, oh, as a child, I was terrified. I... Again, I, Uncle Steven plays with illness in a way that is just always off-putting. And so, like, you want to try and give him that pass of this is through the eyes of a child, but also he always does this. He's always pissing on people who are not, like, um, cis <laughs> white men with everything that, like, all of the privileges and all of the comforts. If you're not that, Uncle Steven's coming for you. And so he always twists us in a way that's kind of grotesque. And so it doesn't 
it, it doesn't age well for me because it's just like another list on his list of crimes <laughs> as opposed to me trying to give him a pass this one time in my head doing middle gymnastics. It's like, again, Uncle Stephen, really, really. Um, so, you yeah, already I have your know. burial ground. What? <laughs> yeah, right. I didn't know that that was a dude in the dress. I mean, even without that, though, like the way it's handled, because like, yeah. the sister has a real thing. Um, and Uncle Stephen could do research back then. Granted, it was not like Google, but like you could do the research. You could pay people to do the research to like really do this. And I just, I don't like the way he does that to people, especially when it comes to like illness and things like that that really are hurting people and people really get made fun of and picked on. Um, because like being sick in the society is the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah. But also while we're talking about Doc, he just keeps value in the home. Because she's like, this traumatic story from my childhood. He's like, you're getting a pill tonight. She's like, I don't like it. He's like, you're taking one. And I'm like, do you not have to count your medicine? Were they just like free with the drugs back then? Because nowadays, I can't get Sudafed without signing three different documents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't like Doc. I feel like Doc's the real villain. I know you want to blame Judd. Um, <laughs> I think that Doc did all this shit to himself. I really do. But if he didn't know about it, I just the way he moves, the way he moves, because like once he brings his demonic child back from the dead, and the child calls him after killing Judd, he's like, "What did you do?" And it's like, "Don't you mean what what you did?" Because like this kid was dead. This kid was not out here looking for trouble. You you oh, buried yeah. him. You drug him up there. And you were like, it's going to be fine, even though you have a demonic cat running around your home. Also, this demonic cat's running around with both kids. And I'm like, you you uncovered something evil. You see it's evil. It's trying to attack you. And you're like, let my kids go to sleep in peace. Don't warn my wife. Right. Oh, the cat has glowing eyes. All the those eyes. I am not a person who's going to have children. But if I were... And I brought back a cat with demonic glowing eyes. I probably wouldn't just let it run around the house with the children. Right. Here's the other thing I'm going to call bullshit on. Because, okay, when Judd tells him about when, well, when Doc asks Judd if anyone has buried a person out there, Judd tells him that, some, yes, someone has. And when they have that flashback of the dude coming back from the dead, he looks like a zombie. Like, he does not look like just a normal person. Exactly. So Judd told him it was not a good time. And he's like, it'll be different because I'm a doctor. But then, but and, and the cat also comes back partially decayed. But, like, the son, Gage, just looks normal. Except he looks a little evil. He's he not, had evil eyes. He had evil eyes, but bitch, he got ran over. No, he gonna be still. have a dented thing and, like, I don't know what, broken arms. Something. Listen, the devil works hard, Trent. And so, like, he reassembled his little boy and sent him to his home. And he's like, I'm a doctor. Also, Judd told him it didn't go well that first time they tried a person. <laughs> he has his cat as evidence. His son just murdered the neighbor and his wife. And what does he do? I can fix this, Rachel. I didn't get to gauge soon enough, but I can bury you know, it'll be fine. Because he won't fucking learn. Like, this well, is a is white true. man unchecked if I've ever seen one. That He's like, true. let me keep making it worse. Literally with a shovel, digging his own hole. Just <laughs> like... <laughs> Have either of you seen the sequel? I refused. You talking about Pet Cemetery 2? Yes. I, I have, have not. 
I thought about watching it. I just didn't have the time. It's, it's not nearly as good as this movie. <laughs> that, that, you know, it's saying something. But, like, the whole thing is they follow the wife and the dad. Yeah. She did, though. She's back as a zombie. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but she but she's come back. And, like, how he operates with that. She's killing him when we see her. Yeah, that's the, like. Well, they pretend that didn't happen. They're on the sequel from the '80s. You know, they were like, "That didn't happen." <laughs> Who cares about continuity? Right. I hate everything. <laughs> Which, I, well, actually, Saxon, did you have a note on here about the about, ending? Yeah, about the ending. Yeah, we can go ahead and dig into that now. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I don't know if y'all knew this, but um, originally, the way the movie was going to end, this is kind of more close to how it is in the book is that the whole bit with the knife where she grabs the knife from the counter um, and then it looks like she's going to stab him, cuts to black, he screams. That wasn't originally supposed to happen. It was going to end just before that to where she just walks in and just is like, she's like, I'm back and that's it. And like Mary Lambert wanted to end it that way, but I think it was mainly just a studio thing. Yeah. And so... Have a sequel. And then, but if you want to have a sequel to where he is handling her, then that's the way to end it. Yeah. You know, that's the weird thing. They went on and it did have a sequel. Yeah. America never gets the ending we deserve. Like the little shop of horrors. Like Mm. the original ending is not what we've seen where they run off happily ever after. The plants win and it's a better ending. Um, But they were like, audiences might feel sad. And I'm like, perhaps audiences should know how to feel empathy because the world's on fire. Um, And so so here we are with this happy ending nobody asked for. Um, Yeah. And I mean, that's like literally the same like logic that Mary Lambert was was going with. It's like the ending where it's just she shows up is more like, oh, you know, damn, you know, oh, like, you know, just kind of ends there. And I think it would have hit a little harder than what we get where it's just like, oh, here we go. You know? Yeah. Sometimes studios forget that genre is genre part of genre and the love of genre and the part of the reason that we're here as fans is because like it's not always happy endings um if we wanted happy endings we could watch regular tv because how many people on nbc refuse to get divorced in these dramas all of them and so like um sometimes you want something that's a little bit closer to the truth and there's real like consequences and i think that's something that's sorely lacking when studios like intervene especially if you're going to adapt a book or something Maybe people are drawn to it because of the way it ends. Maybe that makes it sexier as opposed to you being like, we got to keep it open for a sequel. We right. might well, be and a I think it, Well, but I think the way that they chose to end it harms the sequel because mm-hmm. the way that she wanted to end it was just more, much more open-ended. You don't know what happened. Yeah. She walks into the room, end. Then, then the audience gets to create the next part in their head, which I think is a much more satisfying ending as an audience member because then I get to talk to Shrey. Shrey, what do you think happened? Saxon, what do you think happened? Exposed to what we got, we fucking know what happened. She stabbed him and he died. Or at least she stabbed him and he's hurt real bad. I don't know. And that ambiguous ending would have been better, but studios don't like that. So they have to end it and they ended it that way. And I'm sure that if they even mentioned it in the sequel, it's like she missed or she stabbed something he was able to fix. He's a doctor. Um, As opposed to just letting it breathe. Like that the letting it breathe is sometimes the creativity that works well for it. Because again, Uncle Steven's got many problems, but usually somewhere in these problems, there is a narrative and we are following it. <laughs> and we want that narrative when we show up to these movies. 
I'm not sitting here for these five hours Stephen King adaptations to see what people are going to do if they go rogue. I'm going to see these characters that I just read or listened to and putting on my time <laughs> what they're doing now. Um, we want to see that adaptation, not the we're going to just like throw it in a blender and see what the studio execs like. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the lines that took me out, because this actor, Gage, who was a child actor in the 80s and 90s, we saw him everywhere, Miko Hughes, who looks weird in this picture on Google with his like facial hair and not being two feet tall. Um, but uh. like, I rebuke that. But one of his lines, he's back as a demonic child and he's like, killed the neighbor, killed his mother, trying to kill his father. Um, his father grabs him like with one hand and stabs him. It's very anticlimactic. Um, and the kid's like, no fear! And he just like rolls over. <laughs> and I, I died because it was the funniest fucking line delivery. Because how do you how do you teach a little child, hey, you're a demon who's dying. You need to like right. judge it up a little bit. Right. So he's yeah, just like, just no kind of fear! Like and it was so adorable. It was so cute. Like, <laughs> my heart grew three sizes and then I cackled. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm curious. Okay, so the the editing of Judd's death when uh, Gage is literally like slicing his mouth open and face open and yeah, stuff. It felt, crazy. yeah, it felt strangely edited, and I kind of gave it a pass that when I, you know, as I was going through it to be like, okay, they don't want this child to literally see himself slicing open this guy's mouth. So that's why their editing is a little off. Well, then they have him walk around and like chew his neck off. And I was like, okay, well then how do you, what? So I think that was just a weird editing, like splicing of those images. It just felt really weird. I wonder if either of you felt that way. This was the era of Chucky. So they were used to using kids to do like <laughs> the devil's work. Um, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know why it was that way. Because <laughs> it felt like you would see him slash and then his face would be cut and then we'd see him slash again and the face would be cut again. You never saw knife contact with skin. So maybe that was a, a, an effect issue. I don't know. It, it might just be a victim of the era because back then they were about the melodrama, which is part of the reason I don't like this adaptation because it's so melodramatic. Um, it feels like it belongs on Lifetime. I'm like, did B.C. Andrews do this? What is he doing here? And so... <laughs> And it's because of the 80s, and that's the way they wanted things to be and look, which is why a lot of it has a disconnect for me now. Um, so I'm just like, oh, this is very much pink and fun. <laughs> oh, this is very much a high school romp. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a horror movie. Never mind. And so <laughs> it, it, I think it just fell victim to the time it was made. Yeah. yeah. I will say that Gage slicing his Achilles tendons, that, that has terrified me since I've watched this movie. When I'm like getting it, that's why I don't get into bed. I don't like sit in bed and like then put my legs up. No, I like literally just kind of legs first. In bed. <laughs> I see you sort of leaping in bed now. That's Essentially, now. that's kind of what it is. It's like, <laughs> no, nope, my legs are not going to hang off this bed because that is terrifying. That and then when it happens in Urban Legend, and I'm just like, that is terrifying because you can't move. No. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's the devil's work. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. Also, okay, another question for you two. Let's say in another world, Sheree, Sheree in another world, Saxon, it could be in this world, but in the future, (laughs) um, you have a child. 
this child dies. I know it's hard for you to imagine, Shrey. <laughs> <laughs> you have a child. This child dies. You're very upset. You're so upset you have to like go away to be with your parents for a while. Well, then you come back because you're worried about your significant other, and somehow you see your dead child walking around. What are you gonna do? Turn around and go back to my parents because clearly the husband doesn't fuckery. What? I'm not gonna try to hug the child. No, he's dead. He's been dead for days. What? He's got a scalpel. Love can't save this. What? Saxon, what would you do in that situation? Uh, I mean, honestly, I would probably just stand there for a second and just be frozen. And then I'd probably try and get out of there because, like, something's going on. Either there's some strange supernatural stuff or I am having a full-blown mental breakdown. I, I yes. don't know. Yes. But so, I need to get out. Moral of the story is I'm not going to go ahead with the damn child. No. I think this movie fails Rachel in a way that lots of adaptations fail the Stephen King wives. <laughs> um, because, like, first off, this movie doesn't make it clear why she goes back because it would be quicker to get him on the phone in the next day or two than to literally travel back because <laughs> flights are expensive also like doesn't have a car so it's like basically hitchhike yeah. and she's like i have to go home i have to go home and i'm just like okay but you could also call you could call your neighbor your and if both of them aren't answering morning. maybe send a cop because like you can do that as a white woman in america um there were other options than her getting out here and getting her and her like cute little dress like <laughs> by her dead son like i yeah right but go going back to the whole like um, dealing with grief, the whole funeral scene. I wanted to knock that dad out. I Not was Doc, but the the mom's dad. I was like, you're being so fucking rude. I was just so confused by that scene. I was like, he just comes up and he's just calling him a murderer and all this stuff. I'm just like, whoa. Because <laughs> we know they don't get along because of like the stuff they allude to, but we right. don't know why. Because she married a doctor, they have two kids. I don't know what else people wanted in the eighties of the kids. Um, <laughs> but it seems like all those boxes are checked. Um, and then also after that, after her father gets into a fist fight and they knock the son's coffin onto the ground at the funeral, she goes back to Chicago with these people, and I'm just like, no, you started a fist fight at my son's funeral. We're gonna have some words. Um, well, <laughs> we're not gonna. Right, and it seemed like everyone else in the funeral blamed the dad, the a doc for that. And I was like, he's just mourning his son, and this dude comes up, uh, like accusing him of killing him. I will say, as much as I hate that they all blame him because it doesn't make any sense, that's the time we get to see one brown person in this movie. Because again, it's an Uncle Steven movie, and it's in the '80s, so like, it's like playing Where's Waldo, and this is where we get the one brown person who's like, Doc. And I'm like, he even got a line, yay! And then we go back to be no brown people anywhere. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that it's probably somebody just with a really cool tan, and I'm just like <laughs> grasping at straws because again, the '80s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, okay. Another question. And I wonder if this is explained in the book because it came completely out of the blue in the movie. When the next day after Gage has killed the mom and Judd and he's going to dad's, Doc's going over to Judd's house and he opens the door and it looks like everything is like overgrown and nasty and like, you know, like no one's lived there for a hundred years. 
and then it obviously cuts back to what it actually is. Why? Why? What? <laughs> Listen. Is this like Freddy's world now? It's like, <laughs> you never know what's real. The 80s love to just do stuff and see if anybody's paying attention. It's like a bad <laughs> pop quiz, but like we never got the quiz. So we're just like, I'm remembering that. And we're like, good. <laughs> but it won't be useful later. <laughs> I'm just wondering if they explain that more in the book because it's just not, there's nothing, or if they made that up for the movie, I, that could very well be true too, you know? Listen, I, it could be either or, it could be both. Um, <laughs> one of the things, so like the way Gage, the, the whole running over of the child and the way it's filmed is just very weird because like they were nowhere close to the road, which is why it took them forever to run towards him. Yet this little boy who's barely walking, like booked it. He like fucking booked and nobody saw him because they were all sitting there staring in his direction. But nobody was like, is that little shape moving that way? And someone was like, oh no, get gauge. And I'm like, you he y'all were miles from the road. Like <laughs> surely somebody should have noticed this. But like when it was foreshadowed up top, because like the little girl falls off something, starts crying. And the little boy's like, I'm going to the road because we got to start this movie. Um, the way the mother shoves a little girl's head when she runs for her son lets you know who the favorite is. <laughs> and I cackled because literally they were like, oh, no, your ankle, it's busted up. Luckily, Dad's a doctor. Not Gage. And she like back of her head shoves this little actor. And I'm just like, that girl probably had whiplash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we not have done something different. And she was like a fucking bobblehead. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's funny, though. Go back just for that. It's hysterical. Um, <laughs> I rewound it a couple of times because I was like, they really didn't give shit about kids in this era. They were just like, pay your dues. Oh, <laughs> I'm acting. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, it's it's not my favorite of the Stephen King films. Um, <laughs> it's not my least favorite. It's it's like a vegetable I can tolerate. <laughs> have either of you seen the remake? On a plane. I have not seen the remake. It's it is terrible. It, it's so bad. It's bad. It's real bad. I like, and I was so mad. I bought the damn shit because everyone was like, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. And I liked this version so much. I was like, okay. I think I got it for sale. It wasn't. I didn't spend a ton of money. I don't worry. It's still about too that. much. Whatever you spent. Right. I got home and I, it's completely different. Yeah, because like I read like the Wikipedia summary, so I, like I heard it was different. I was like, well, let me check this out real quick, and didn't really make me want to watch it. Everything like, is opposite. And it's not like opposite for the better. It's just opposite as like a thought experiment. Like right. instead of Gage being the kid who gets zombified, it's the daughter. Um, and then also, essentially the whole the whole family dies. Like Gage is in a car seat as the zombies are coming towards the car at the end. And I'm spoiler alert: people not seen that remake. You don't want to, anyways. But like, <laughs> I, I I mean, the ending I guess is cooler because like this little kid's about to get it. But like to get there wasn't worth it. I watched this on a plane. I wanted my time back. Like I wanted to talk to one of the flight attendants to be like, "Hi, I know we're about to land, but I need a do over because <laughs> I did not have a good time." <laughs> Yeah, it's just not good. And none of the actors, I don't think, are very good from what I remember. Like, the writing isn't very great. I can't remember the cast anymore. I know Pet Cemetery was spelled correctly in that one, and I appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, 
What's the book spelled? No, I'm a liar. Spelled like spelled this? It there too. Is the book spelled like this way? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Okay. The remake is also spelled with an S. I just blocked that apparently. <laughs> oh, they also added those weird people with masks. Again, Uncle Steven don't know how to just let brown people be. So like <laughs> he's like, let's let's get into this like burial ground. And also we're gonna do some mask work, but I'm not gonna say who it's about. And I'm like, Uncle Steven, stop. And he's like, No, I'm Steven. Is that part in the book? The people with masks? Probably. Like Uncle Steven loves some chaining this a mask work. I don't I don't condone it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not here for it. I grew up reading it and I was desensitized for a long time. But now I'm just like, why, Uncle Steven? Have we tried not chanting? Have we tried not doing it this way? And he's like, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I it's 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 middle of the road. It's very 80s. That's why I assume 80s horror to be. Um, cause like they didn't want to just do the slashers back then. And Stephen King had so much stuff. So they were just like, let us, let us deal with parents and grief, but not do it as well as we're going to do it 30 years later. <laughs> but let's start the conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would like to see another go at this movie, but not what we got. No. So maybe not. Maybe just let this die to what it was. It is. Cause I don't hate this movie. I think it's a good movie. It's fun. It's of its time. It's not. It's not bad. It's not good. It's like it's like into the woods. You know, it's just like you're not bad. You're not good. You're just nice, right? <laughs> well, and I'm also because Trey, you you talked about this a little bit earlier. I'm curious if in Stephen King's head, if Ellie, the daughter, if her dreams and her like psychic visions, if that's like a form of The Shining, because he's he has said before that there's other people in other books that have the shining we just don't call it the shining one of the things i i've noted in all of my stephen king studies <laughs> is that he loves a little girl who's got a little bit of esp telekinesis like danny in the shining is one of the few young boys i've seen with it um and so like i he's definitely doing some things i don't know why he's doing those things and i don't want to know because when you ask too many questions you get too many answers for uncle stephen so i just leave it there um, <laughs> But I do think that, like, her and Carrie and the girl from Firestarter and Danny from The Shining are all, like, linked up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever do, like, Avengers thesis. I'm sure he would love to because he loves to write 9,000 pages about anything. But I just, <laughs> I, I don't need it. <laughs> yeah. It's a very interesting motif that he uses a lot, but... Yeah, like, because, I mean, a lot of people like to write about their childhoods, and a lot of people who have kids like to write about, like, parents and children because they're working on their shit from their own parents and grandparents and this new shit they're putting on their kids. And so it's like therapy. I'm not knocking it. Um, it's just, it's not what I'm here for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, right. I, I see the lane, and I'm just not in that lane. Yeah. Oh, Saxon, you have a note about the cat being named... After Winston, After Winston Churchill. Churchill. That was like, because like whenever they first introduced the cat, it's like church. I'm like, wait, they say church? It's like, yeah, he's named after Winston Churchill. I was like, why? What did that poor cat ever do to you? I, cause, especially because it's the daughter's cat. And I'm just like, why did your daughter know about Winston Churchill? And why are you, wh what is happening in your home? Like, I would have called CPS before the kid got ran over. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would have been like, we have questions, we have concerns, I've made contact. Let us go in. 
<laughs> that is a really because yeah, I I don't know. Especially since it is Ellie's cat. I don't feel like Ellie would have named it Winston Churchill. Like he says it's her cat and she named him and they call him Church. And I don't know what daycare she was at where they were like Winston Churchill, because you need to know. Is that the cat's <laughs> is that the cat's name in the book? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like again, it's been forever, but I'm pretty sure the cat's name is one of the things they didn't change. Maybe Stephen just wanted to kill Winston Churchill and, <laughs> and bring him back to the zombie. Listen. And again, I, I don't remember the book very well because it's been mm, some time. Um, but I think that this one just suffers from the having to cut so much and not maybe cutting some things that we could have cut and keeping some things we didn't need to keep especially if you don't get to like flesh them out because like uncle Steven is always overriding. And so you have to pick your battles and some people try and like have too much cake, uh, which is what happens. And we get flickers of things that people are like, what does that go in the book? It's like in the book, like it's almost a whole half a book. And I don't know how to convince it for you in a text message. Um, so like, yeah. But again, I don't think it's Mary's fault. I think that that is a script problem. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And also, why does Gage have a cane? <laughs> you know that you don't see what I'm talking about when they're, he's in the room and his mom comes in. He's got like a top hat and a cane. He's yeah. like, hey, "Hello, my darling, hello, my baby." It was very Mr. Peanut, and I was like, "This is adorable." And you don't want you don't want your demonic kid to be adorable. You want him to be scary. Um, <laughs> you don't want him to be like, "Do a show tune, this thing is sunny." Um, but he's like, "No fair," and I was giggling, and I just again. Oh. Oh, I mean, <laughs> he must be having internet problems. Yeah, because I was wondering because like he kept freezing, and I was like, I feel like he's about to say something, and then he wouldn't. <laughs> the internet down here in Arkansas, Arkansas. Um, but, but yeah, yeah that scene was every time I see it, I'm like, why is he dressed? Did he like get into Judd's closet and like? Why does Judd have small canes and top hats? Because that's a chapter I would like to see. Like. <laughs> I need to read this book. That's what. That's what this book. I gotta know. Does he come? Does he have a cane in the book? A top hat and a cane? I feel like whoever was doing costumes, like you know, what's cute little boys with canes, <laughs> and we didn't think, should we? Like, because <laughs> she comes in, I too would be mesmerized. It'd be like, is my son a vaudevillian ghost? <laughs> Hello, baby. Hello, my darling. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is what is happening? This is very Looney Tunes right now. Um, it's a vibe. I don't know if it's what I would do if I was a demonic child, but you know what? To each their own. Right. Yeah. Oh, in the end, when he goes to kiss her, and she's just like oozing all. I could. Could never, could never I could, be me. No. Once you're dead, I'm done with you. Um, that's how I roll. <laughs> I know some people are different, apparently. Um, but once you're dead, it's done. Don't, we're not gonna swipe right after you come back from the dead. Like, <laughs> right, we ain't gonna be making out with y'all oozing all over my face. That That's a different app. Happen. You need to go to that other app. Or <laughs> 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 well, just put the life. apps down. Listen, You've had a good life. Right, I'm not asking for much, but must be alive is one of the things I'm asking for. Right. Um, I just feel it's fair at this point in time in my fucking life. And what did Gage do to his mom? She like her eyeballs popped out and like he had a little scalpel. And here's my thing: he has a scalpel. He's a dead child, granted demonic child. So like he takes out two adults, and then the father is very anticlimactic. Just grabs him and gives him the shot, and he's like, 
oh no, I'm fair, and gives up. He doesn't like swipe at him. Cause look, I I don't I just got questions. Right. I yeah, I did feel a little bad about the cat when it got when the cat got the shot because it did the, the quintessential like cat in pain. Like, and I was like, oh. <laughs> the cat also died too easily. And I, I was mad for both dying so easy. Well, um, I mean he just he drugged them to death. He put he like put them down essentially. We we've created this creepy atmosphere where we're bringing back dead cats and dead kids, and we're supposed to believe that they're terrifying and fucking people up. And then this dude is like, "I'm over it," and he like picks them up with one hand and gives them an injection with the other, and sets them down like China. And I'm just like, "You are these plates or are, are these monsters? Like, what are we doing? Where's my where's my terror? Where's my horror? Um, if it's that easy, why didn't anybody else do it?" Because, like, Fred Gwynn could have been like, I'm going to pick you up and hold you over here while I call your father because you fucked up my foot. But instead, <laughs> we built him up to be scary. We built this guy up to be scary. Um, and then the father's like, I'm just tired now. I'm picking you up. That's over. I'm <laughs> picking you up and that's over. And I'm just like, I need I need more of a struggle here. I'm sorry. Right. I, I'm going to burn the house down. Also, what are the police going to say when they have to clearly have to investigate a house that burned down? It's going to be like, well, there's some bodies in there. Again, again, I know he's a doctor. I know he's a white man, so he can get away with a lot of things. But his neighbor's house has been burned down after the neighbor's been, like, stabbed and, like, cut open in various ways. <laughs> and they're going to also find the body of his dead and buried son and the body of his dead cat. And he doesn't think he's going to have to answer any questions. With his <laughs> and they're going to walk in to see his wife with an eyeball popping out. And ooze growing, going down her face. I feel like even small time cops are gonna have to ask some questions. They're gonna be like, "Oh man, we gotta work today." What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was this town? So this town has a college because he's the doctor on campus. <laughs> but assuming there's only two people in this town, that's Judd and the Doc's family. Like, there's no one else. Do they even go to a grocery store? She had groceries in a couple scenes, because that's what Moms in the 80s did on the film. And there's um, the maid, the maid too. Who also didn't get enough story. We know no. she was sad, she had stomach problems, so she killed herself. And <laughs> she was a brown lady though, so we did have two brown people. I'm sorry for calling out the one. We had two. <laughs> <laughs> that percentage is different. <laughs> Having water ruins everything I'm doing right now. <laughs> Reaching for water to end a point is very sad. Oh. <laughs> Reaching the water point of the night. Listen, <laughs> if you start early, you get to end early. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. I would say if you ever get, you know, if you ever like real drunk one night, you're like, you know, I just want something stupid to watch. You can watch the sequel to Pet Cemetery. It's silly. It's just, from what I remember, I watched it when I was a kid. So, like, I had not seen that one as an adult. But as a kid, I was like, this is weird. I would be interested to see if Uncle Steven actually wrote that because I don't remember if it was a real book or not. I don't think so. I'm at Google because I, I don't remember. I I know the movie happened, but I don't remember from whence it came. <laughs> the screenplay was written by Richard Alton. Um I don't think there's a I don't think there's a book. Edward Furlong is in this one. Mm -hmm. That's a deep cut. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't believe Uncle Stephen wrote a sequel. I think they just went rogue. Probably. I mean, that's what Carrie too is as well. Yeah. 
The rage. The tattoo is what I call it. No, the rage gives me so much rage because like we had a good thing and we were like, let's fuck it up now. Um I, I again Uncle Steven got problems, but we can't go on rogue with his work. Like it never it never works out. I've never been impressed when people go rogue. No. Ever. No. Are those the only ones that are sequels that aren't Stephen King related or aren't Stephen King made? Because I know like Doctor Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. Yeah. And he wrote that. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Like my so like my Stephen King hardbacks are there, but like they're too far away um, <laughs> for me to not have my glasses. Um, <laughs> I Uncle Stephen likes to overwrite, so he normally puts it all in the first book. So he doesn't he does not use it. He doesn't do a lot of sequels and just in general. I'm looking at books the size of Bibles over there. He don't need them. And he's like, right. I said, everybody needs to I mean, he does have the series, the Dark Tower or whatever, but that's like his only kind of series. And like the Green Mile was a series of novellas because he used to write novellas back in the day. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm Stephen King. I'm going to take us in space now. Um, but that was him getting back to his like form. So like they all add up to be a giant Stephen King sized Bible book. <laughs> but he wrote them in installments for us to like read along. Um, we were like, ooh, I can read a Stephen King in a day now. Oh. <laughs> right. Well, and the novellas probably make, make better films if you're going to adapt something to a film. Like, The Shawshank Redemption came from one of his shorts, mm-hmm. and it's one of the better adaptations, like, truly, and it's gorgeous to look at. I've not seen it since I was, like, my first year of college, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not going to stand here and talk about how the themes are holding up, because I won't be caught doing that with Uncle Steve. <laughs> 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 but it was a gorgeous movie, and it was a very good adaptation at the time. I will say that. <laughs> Yeah. Same thing with um, Stand By Me. All yeah. of that one like goes like quite far from the actual like novella. Mm. Back then, people were like, just slap his name on it and do what you're going to do. Much like they did with the Fear Street trilogy. Because um, yeah. I, I grew up in Fear Street. I grew up on Fear Street. Like this podcast is in part named because of Fear Street. <laughs> um, and so I was like, yay, we're finally getting the movies. And then they were like, sort of, kind of. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and all my friends who didn't read them were like, it's fine. I'm like, it's not, it's not, it's never gonna be fine again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> I really just don't like that dad. The like the mom's dad. He's just oh. an asshole. And none of the dads are getting away looking nice in this one. Because, like, Doc and yeah. that dad. Doc could get it. So, that's fine. <laughs> Look, you got, your, you got your love lights on. And you ain't seeing them while you're doing. Because he did a lot. This is He did, this he did a lot. He, did he a lot. decided this. And maybe, okay, Doc probably couldn't get it. But Dale Midkiff, back in the day, there you go. That is your type. I see it now. So I'm <laughs> why are we here? Um, but his character is trash. Um, <laughs> trash. I want to do the worst for him. Still, I hope that I the still, wife catches him. <laughs> I still say Judd is the real villain in this film. Listen, Judd is dead. And who's still taking his dead wife up to this place? This ain't on Judd. <laughs> but if he didn't know about the place, he wouldn't have taken her. Trent, I know about lots of things. I don't do them. What? <laughs> <laughs> You like to defend. You like this. You like to stand. Stay. You like to stand. Um, but like also. Except I don't like that song because I hate. No, because it's like literally, like if 
Trent, if you move into a small town and I'm there for some reason, I've not learned not to be in small towns. And I'm like, Trent, I see one of your pets have died. Follow me. Don't ask questions. And you're going to be like, first off, you're outside and you seem sober. I don't trust this. Um, well, secondly, why are you here? Listen, listen, I've never had a good time in a small town. Why am I here? But for whatever reason, I am. <laughs> so I'm like, come on up, Trent. And we bury your animal and your animal comes back possessed in your house. I, right. I'm not saying he didn't make mistakes. He made mistakes. These are sure. more than mistakes, Trip. <laughs> These are more than mistakes. He was influenced. Tramp, I've been under the influence of lots of things in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I. I have never, I would never, could never be me. I mean, oh. I, I will say, I mean, Doc's not without blame. I'm not like saying that. I'm just saying that, like, the root, if we're going to the root, in this film, I guess if you do consider like the backstory of people t- having told Judd, then like, I guess maybe the real villain is just white people and problematic traditions. As usual. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if we started writing real history books, that would be the answer to a lot of questions. <laughs> so, okay, I'll rephrase. The real yeah. villain is white people making terrible traditions. Right? Because Judd just gave him the knowledge. And like that first cat, we can blame that first cat on Judd. Because that cat was like, I'm going to try and throw rats at you and I might attack you. He wasn't out here killing people. Um, that was what Doc you did. threw a rat at him in his bathtub. That is rude. I would have killed that cat on sight. And so it would have <laughs> it would have made no sense. I'm like, no, I killed it, Judd. I'm going to talk about death. Because like the cat threw a rat at me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in fucking misery. <laughs> What I'm not going to do is in my bath time interrupted by dead cats <laughs> with dead rats. Like, <laughs> Truly. All right. Let's get to hot takes. Anybody? Uh, y'all ready for hot takes? Anybody got any, note, any more notes before we get into that? Uh-uh. We good? All right. Saxon, you got a hot take? Um, I mean, my hot take is honestly, I think the same as Sheree's hot take, which is that... Um, a lot of the issues that I have with it, I think, come down to the script level. And, I mean, you know, we were talking about how Stephen King is so hard to adapt, but, I mean, he wrote the screenplay for this, which just mm. confuses me even more. Sheree <laughs> <laughs> is broken. Ah, Uncle Stephen, the call is coming from inside the house. He yeah. He himself. He was like, hi, I see what's been happening. Let me also do it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I, yeah. And so that's what really gets me is the fact that like, if if it were to ever work with all of his wild, you know, tangents and random things he throws in, you would think that one where he wrote the script would work much better than it does, at least. Because like, I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie, but it definitely just make some choices that just don't sit well with me. Um, what really frustrated me was when I was, because lo- like after I watched the movie, I was looking at like other people's reviews on it from like back when it came out. And a lot of people were blaming Mary Lambert. And I was getting so mad because I'm like, it's not her fault. It's all about the script. Like she's doing a good job here. But mm-hmm. she's a lady. So it's her fault. Even though it was a number one box office movie. Exactly. It's just <laughs> it's frustrating and it made me upset. And that's right. my main hot take is that it's not her fault at all. It's all it's all Steven. I as 
somebody who's always wondered if Uncle Steven needs to switch editors because his editors don't catch the things they should be catching. And they also don't tell him you can write something that's not 9,000 pages. Um, I wonder if he would have... Right? If, I'm a, if I ever meet him, I'm a rock his world. I'm going to be like Uncle Steven. We have things called books that we can put in bags that we can carry with one hand. And I would like for you to try writing one just one time. Just how it feels. Also, not all brown people are magical. I know I'm giving you lots of things right now, but if you take away those two, I think that we could do something. <laughs> um, but I just, I, I wonder if perhaps he is also not good at adapting his work because I, I think sometimes writers, and I say this with all the love in my heart as a writer, we don't always know what we're really like picking up when we do the things. And so he was like, how can I preserve all these bits and parts? And he did a hatchet job at it. Because um, again, like as much as I piss on him because like he, he's problematic, um, his, his, usually his novels have the thing. They have the drive. They have the character or the situation. You have the shining alcoholism. Um, you have like these like themes of trauma and abuse. Not always going to go well. Uh, and so like they have the thing. And when you look at this movie, you don't really know what the thing is. Like we can say it's grief because loosely, yes, grief is that word we put in the bubble to start this essay, but we don't really have like the supporting evidence for it. Like if I was like still an English tutor, I'd be like, you have grief in this bubble, but give me your bullets. And Uncle yeah. Steven's like. <laughs> yeah, it feels like he wanted to do, at least for the film. Again, I have not read the book, so I'm going, I will. And then I'll have more to say, I guess. But um, it feels like the movie was trying to explore grief and how people process it but never really answered the question or never really went there never script wise we don't even get to see them grieve their dead child really like we see them at the funeral fighting and we see her and the daughter leaving him and i'm like this feels weird what <laughs> um and we don't even get why she feels compelled to come back in this film version whereas in the book i'm sure there's a reason it don't make sense but at least there's a reason <laughs> Because again, if you can't get either on the phone, call someone to go check on them. What are you going to do when you get there three days later if you're really worried something happened? What are you going to do three days after it happens? Um, <laughs> and so I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, and I don't know why and what for he felt himself here. But I'm kind of happy to that he also feels himself because I think that's for those of us thinking about adapting Stephen King's in the future. <laughs> he too can fuck it up, so go for it. <laughs> Get it, y'all. Yes, yes. Uh, my hot take is still big kid could get it. Um, <laughs> back hot, in the day, I don't know what it looks like take. anymore. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of my hot takes are hot. But um, also, I think structurally, this isn't really a hot take either. It's kind of a bleh take. But I think structurally, I wanted to spend more time post the resurrection of Gage. I think once Gage is resurrected, that's when the fear starts. That's when the creepiness really gets into it. And by then, we're like, what, 10, 15 minutes out from the end of the movie? And so we don't spend enough time in the area that is the most effective in the scariness of it. I, I think that this this is like a thing that I've been like talking about when I talk about the original Carrie. And that like we all love Carrie. We all go up for her. But like the things don't really happen to like the last two chapters. Cause like until she burns her gymnasium down, we're like, this is high school and it's awful. Why are we here? <laughs> it's like, yeah, her mom is like wild as fuck. And I hope something happens to her, but why are we here? 
And then the bucket of blood hits her and she's like, fuck all y'all. And you're like, that's why we're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very slow burn, but I think Carrie gets the payoff more than this movie does. Oh, yeah. Because at least there's something there once you get there. Yeah. Um, this one felt like a whisper and that was a scream. I'm not quoting lyrics from the first soundtrack. <laughs> I spent too much time on my articles, y'all. I'm going to go to sleep. Oh, <laughs> I... <laughs> I hate myself right now. Um, I my actual hot take um is that like yeah I think that this is not Mary Lambert's fault. I think she did the best she could with the era this was given to her and the script that was given to her. It's just it's a it's a time capsule. This is what they were doing with movies in this era because they didn't want to be a horror but they wanted to be scary. Um, and so like the first jabs at elevated horror kind of, because they're just like, it's Stephen King. People are buying it. It's not what y'all are watching. It's different. It's all the same, bitch. Um, like, it's all the same. It's a different wig. And it's not a good wig. But Mary did what she could with the wig. And I <laughs> I see her. Yeah. True. Yeah. Agreed. Well, that is our thoughts on the original Pet Cemetery from 1989. Number one box office hit. Today I was born. Uh, <laughs> right? Like, leave it to America to be like, she failed with the number one hit at the box office. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Three chads were like, but it's a failure because it's not like number one and a half. And I'm like, no, Chad. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Thank you so much, Saxon, for joining us for this Ooh. one. Hope you enjoyed it better than Babysitter. <laughs> yeah, I definitely did. Not a hard bar to, you know. <laughs> uh, that movie still haunts me. Um, <laughs> that was a choice. But um, yeah, so this is, this will end uh, my birthday weekend. Thank you. I want to say thank you to Callie from this morning. Thank you to everyone who's been watching with us and listening to us uh, as we've gone through the day. It's been a blast. I think these have been three really fun movies. So thank you all. Listen, anytime I can get drunk in the middle of the day is a good time. Um, <laughs> And it's not happening in a couple days. I missed it. Um, but anywho, we are not back on our main feed this week because you got these three episodes. And we're not back next week because, like, Friday the 13th is happening. So we're going to do that, obviously, because we have some unfinished business with Friday the 13th Part 2. And we have our special guest, Joshua Conkle, who yes. I love to bother. Um, so <laughs> that'll be dropping Friday. If you're on the Patreon, you'll get it Wednesday. <laughs> yes so get into it thank you all again so much thank you saxon thank you callie thank you everyone for listening and as always make sure you stay fierce out there bye <laughs> <laughs>